0: This is the Fedora Chronicles News of the Week for April 4th, 2020. Event 201 Conspiracy. Jason Cousineau and I, Eric Render-Kingfisk, discuss the Event 201 Conspiracy theories and the coincidence that the John Hopkins Center for Health Security, World Economic Forum, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation have a coronavirus pandemic exercise in New York City just before the COVID-19 pandemic reached New York City, makeshift morgues from hockey arenas, Washington politicians profiting off of a pre-pandemic briefing, and the Jeffrey Epstein slash Harvey Weinstein connection with Alyssa Milano's angry tweets. All this and more from the Fedora Chronicles radio show's news of the week for April 4th, 2020. Thanks for listening and stay tuned.
1: Yeah. That's just how lazy I am. I can't even lift my hand to my
0: head. Uh, So, um, I just hit the record button, but folks don't seem to realize. Um, in the listening audience is that we still have internet access, but the internet access is so spot, so spotty and it's so inconsistent because the kids are at home, at school, and they started a half hour before Jay and I usually record. So because the audio quality is better on Jay's phone with his Bluetooth and it's a brand new phone, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I just got it uh, a couple weeks ago.
0: All right. so the audio quality is actually better on Jay's phone than it would have been over the internet the way we had been doing it in the past. So um, anyway, and I sent you a whole bunch of links and I don't even know where to begin other than to tell you that the name of the episode that for the show page, it is um, you could just do a a quick search for uh, news of the week for... April 4th, 2020. And the title of the show is Event 201 Conspiracy. Because apparently everything that we're going to talk about this week is just circles around Event 201. Um, and I'm not sure where exactly to begin with that. Maybe we should talk about what's going on in the news. Um, and
1: then just get to... Well, yeah. I mean, I know... I know a lot of people in my friend circle in the area are worried about like, I think who was it? Was it Florida? Basically they issued an order where Don't leave your home. Right. Unless you have to go somewhere, don't leave your home. So if you're just good leaving to go and pick up food, even they're like, just order it in. Right. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it's, it's a little ridiculous. I understand Florida taking that measure because it does affect the elderly more. So anywhere there's more retirees, it makes more sense to be more drastic, if you will, with the measures they're taking in order to prevent the spread. That I get. I do. I understand. it. Right. But like the area I'm in is not really, there's not a whole lot of retirees. So I don't know that such an order is going to help at all. You know what I mean? No. So, issuing an order to keep people in, in in an area where I'm at, where there's not a lot of people who are at risk for getting it, I'm not sure how much it's going to impact the likelihood of people, you know, reducing the number of people that get it. You know, because when people are, older and they know they're more susceptible with age comes wisdom and they just don't go out as much. They know that they're at higher risk and they don't want to die. Well, most of them don't. So they are not going to go out. So it's kind of, if they know they're at risk, there's always a, there's already a self-imposed, um, travel
0: restriction for lack of a better term. Yeah.
1: And that's
0: the, you know, one of the things that. Go ahead. One of the things that's really scary is not so much the virus itself is the the rumors surrounding the virus. Uh, One of the things that we have going on here in New Hampshire, because we are on the border with Massachusetts, and so many people in this town work in Massachusetts. We're worried about an executive order. Um, from somebody, whether it's our governor here in New Hampshire or the governor of Massachusetts, um, saying that nobody can enter or leave the state the governor of Massachusetts has already said that if you come to Massachusetts from another state, you should self quarantine for 14 days. But what about the people who work in Massachusetts every single day? Like I do, what do we do? Um, the policy that we're sort of following where I, where I work is that you get in your car, you drive to work, you leave, you, you leave your car after you park in the parking lot, you go inside, you do your business as usual. And then when you get out, when you get out of work, go to your car and go straight home. And I have a letter with me from the CEO of the company who says, it, and it says hey this is this is an essential employee we need him to work because we're making medical equipment and apparently if i get pulled over i get to show that letter yeah and they and they're supposed to they're supposed to let me go now whether whatever happens what are, what actually happens if i get pulled over who knows who knows what's going to happen when that finally happens um but it's 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 weird and unusual that I have this letter of transit as it were, for like you know, with Cas- Casablanca reference. Um,
1: exactly, right? I mean it's 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 outrageous to think that here in the quote unquote land land of freedom, that the the idea that you may be stopped by the police and, you know, the please. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just so and it's the, it, it goes against everything that I thought uh, the United States is. Yeah, I just I don't I don't get it, you know. And, and again, how often does the government give back power after it's had it?
0: Everybody has been asking that question, Jay. What happens after this yeah. crisis? Are they going to surrender some of their executive powers that they've granted themselves? Um,
1: I don't know. And well, the bigger question is, what do we do if they don't?
0: Well, how can you protest if you if you have an order telling you to stay at home? <laughs> I'm not going to get on my. Well, ye- the, I'm not. I'm not going to put. Yeah. I'm not going to put on a yellow vest, and march in place on video and say i'm protesting the government Uh, it's not that's not going to happen that it's how 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 do you protest this if you can't leave your house now speaking of protests i I don't want to get ahead of ourselves but i did want to talk about the um how uh warehouse workers in amazon and whole foods and other stores are um are striking because of the unfair and unsafe working conditions. But the thing is, before I get started, I want I wanted to talk about Event Two Hundred One. Um, did you have a chance to look at look it up yet?
1: Yeah, I've looked up uh, Event Two Hundred One. All right, and I've gotten a lot of different things about it.
0: Yeah, um, I don't know if per se it's a conspiracy or conspiracy theory surrounding event 201 i do think that the timing is quite unusual and this is for the center for health security.org event 201 i'm not going to read the whole thing um The John Hopkins Center for Health Security in partnership with the World Economic Forum and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation hosted Event 201, a high-level pandemic exercise on October 18th, 2019 in New York, New York. The exercise illustrated areas where public-slash-private partnership will be necessary during the response to a severe pandemic in order to diminish large-scale societal consequences. In, um, let me think here. This next paragraph, I think is also really interesting. In recent years, the world has seen a growing number of epidemic events amounting to approximately 200 events annually. These events are increasing and they are disrupted to health, economic and society. Managing these events already strains global capacity. Even absent a pandemic threat, experts agree that it is only a matter of time before these epidemics become a gl- a global become global a pandemic with potentially catastrophic consequences. A severe pandemic, which becomes Event 201, would require reliable cooperation among several industries, national governments, and key international institutions. So basically, what had what happened? is that they had an exercise in new york city with an imaginary imaginary coronavirus back in october of last year this is like not even six months ago Um, and one of the things that they had quote discovered in their exercises that somewhere around 64 million people could die during a this Pandemic exercise, as it were, um, because we're just we're, we're just not prepared for it.
1: Well, yeah, but here's this is this is the thing about this, right? This was an exercise in October of 2019. When did the coronavirus that we're currently dealing with? When did that first news first spring out?
0: Depend. well, let's say November. That's, that's when I really started to take notice of it. Let's just say it was November.
1: Right, so I'm looking up the CDC situation summary. And according to the CDC uh, situation in the US, CDC recommends Americans severity pandemic. To do risk assessment, what may happen, response, highlights of the response, other other resources. Now, I'm looking up the history of it. When did it, you know, when did we first start hearing about it?
0: I'm, yeah, I want to say. There you go,
1: timeline. I mean, there's there's, one that says it's a timeline on Axios.com, which I've never heard of whatever. Yeah. So it looks like um, December 10th. December 10th, way Guizhian, one of the earliest known coronavirus patients starts feeling ill. So right at the end of the year. Um, so it really was right at the end of the year. So this was hosted in October. Yeah. And this is just another one of those coincidences, right? You think? Like the, the coincidences between the Lincoln and Kennedy assassination. Doesn't mean anything. Right. Those are just coincidences, right? You know, um, I think that's what this is. I really do. Um, if it isn't a coincidence, I'd have to see some hard evidence of it. You know, like some member of the the you know the they've got a picture on the on the Center for Health Security site they've got a picture of this U-shaped table with a bunch of people sitting at it. If one of the people sitting at that table was like the person in charge of the place that it leaked out from, then I'd say, okay, you've got, I could see why you have that conspiracy theory. Yeah. But it just doesn't, it just doesn't jive for me. It doesn't, why, when it comes to any conspiracy, someone has to have something to gain and who is gaining anything from this coronavirus outbreak. Yeah, I think who's I, getting what they want from this.
0: What I think that actually happened is that months ago, somebody raised the alert saying we've 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 noticed an increase in coronavirus infections that we're not familiar with. We should have an exercise and see what would happen in the event that this became a pandemic, an actual outbreak. I think that for a change, people were actually sort of looking at the news and saying, we should have an exercise. We should see what happens because this this is really serious. I think that it's because of event 201 and this exercise with John Hopkins. I think that's the re- one of the real reasons why People in our government are sort of freaking out about this because we just had this exercise. We found out that we're not prepared. We're not prepared Especially for what
1: you're saying. It's, it's not that. Um, what you're saying is the, they didn't hold this exercise. Like, the, the exact opposite of conspiracy. They didn't hold this exercise because they knew this was going to happen. This happened, and because they had this exercise, everyone's kind of a little overreacting to it. Is that what
0: you're saying? I think that's exactly what I'm saying. I think it's the reverse, or the re- reverse of a conspiracy theory. I think is how you said it. Yeah. I think that yeah. I think that somebody sounded the alarm bell a month or two before this exercise, and somebody said we should do we should find out where where we are vulnerable, and, right. they, and they just happened to do it in New York City. Whereas, isn't New York City the largest city in the United States? If there was going to be a horrible outbreak, yeah.
1: It's not the world, yeah. If there was gonna be a horrible outbreak, that's where it would be have the most drastic impact, absolutely. Um, I don't know, dude. I mean it's all I can say is I never <laughs> never would have thought we would be where we are now. No. Never in a million years. You know what I mean? It's just unreal to me that here we are, 2020, United States of America, and we're being told, basically, essentially, the, the end result of what we're being told is to tank the
0: economy. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, it's just, it's like one of those things where it's like, this, is ha- this has affected everybody. I can't think of a single person who this hasn't touched in some way. Um, and it is a huge cause for concern and the and some of the news items that's coming across our our desk raises alarm bells. Um do I read this this uh the headline from the New York Post article from March 30th to get your reaction?
2: Yeah,
0: sure. Okay. FEMA sending 85 refrigerated trucks to New York City for COVID-19 bodies. This is from Julia Marsh, and it was published March 30th, 2020, which is a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting these. Oh, of course. And wouldn't you know the the audio auto the the video. Um, yeah. The the video automatically plays when you clicked on this. New York City is so oh, sh- uh, yeah. New York City is so short on morgue space for the coronavirus victims that FEMA is hauling trailers in to store the bodies. "Quote: We are sending refrigerated trucks to New York to help with some of the problems on a temporary basis," FEMA regional director Thomas von Essen said at a Manhattan press briefing with Mayor Bill De Blasio on Monday. The city is expecting FEMA to send 85 trucks although their capacity was not immediately available. Similar trailers are already used to hold 40 bodies each. The additional FEMA trucks could double the city's morgue capacity from 3000 to 7000. I'm sorry, 3500 to 7000. Juan Essen, who served as the FDNY commissioner during the September 11th, 2001 attack, said the military also sent 42 people to the medical examiner's office in Manhattan to help process the 790 fatalities. So FEMA is sending refrigeration trucks to handle the dead. That's scary.
1: It's scary, but it's, if we're expecting as many more people to die from this now, one of the projections that I saw predicted that by mid-April we'll have hit the peak and then things will start tapering down after that. But it won't actually, things won't be, quote-unquote, back to normal until like end of May, end of June kind of area. Um, that was one of the projections I saw, and I, I don't have the link for it in front of me. But if we're expecting up to twenty, I think it was twenty six hundred deaths a day at the height, then you got to figure. And this is; these are all of these numbers were projected just for the United States. Then you got to figure New York having the lion's share of that. So figure they have like four hundred deaths a day. Yeah. That means the morgue capacity of, what would you say, 3,000, 3,500,
0: something like that? Um, let me just read the sentence.
1: They either the, got
0: a, The original yeah, FEMA they, trucks they, could double the city's morgue capacity from 3,500 to 7,000.
1: Right. So 3,500 bodies is what the morgues can currently handle. And if we're expecting 500 dead a day, that means the morgue is full in a week all of the mourns are full in New York City in one week. And that's at the rate that's projected two weeks from today. Remember what's caused the black plague? what caused the spread of the black light? Um, Fleas on rats. Well, that's what caused, that's what basically initiated it and spread it in the beginning. But after a while, it was the fact that they were not, the their, their dead bodies were accumulating so quickly that they weren't able to properly dispose of them.
0: So it's actually the dead bodies decomposing extent, that help, yeah. yeah, that helps spread the, exactly. the disease. Yeah, because then that's where the, the
1: rats would eat the dead bodies, the fleas would eat the blood of the rats, the fleas would spread to the humans, blah, blah, blah. Right. So we have to find some way of dealing with the dead. And when we're getting a large number of dead people, we do have to have a means of containing any contaminants those bodies may have. So this is not something that, I mean, it's not a comfortable thing, but it's not something that terribly surprises me. This is something that, you know, they have to plan for when dealing with an outbreak like this. Is it a good thought? Hell no. Certainly, you know, it's not putting me in my happy place. No, That's for damn sure. But at the same time, is this something that we should be worried about? Not really. We should be glad we're able to do that. Right. It's like an article I saw that said the uh, the navy was bringing in some of their medical ships to like New York and stuff like that to help deal with the outbreak. The navy medical ships add hundreds, if not thousands, of beds depending on how many they're sending. So yeah, fuck yeah, let's do that. Let's let's. It, you know, if we can help out where we can with our, med- with our military facilities that are mobile, fuck yeah, we should do that, you know? And the Eric Weiss, I was saying something disparaging about uh, Andrea Ocasio Cortez, but to be honest with you, I don't give a fuck at this point. No. The fact that remains is that if we can mobilize military resources to help the civilians that are in danger, we should fucking do it, and that's what we're going to do. You know, that, to me, is more important. I don't care about the petty politics at this point. It's bullshit. It's going to be interesting to me, to ski is, and I was talking with one of my coworkers about this yesterday. What's going to be interesting to me is to see what happens after this. Right. You know, because, like, there's a bunch of bloat in the relief bill, right? The, what, the $2 trillion relief bill? that is out there, has so much fucking pork in it. And depending on what media you watch determines what pork you're hearing about, you know? I tend to, to watch more conservative media, although I'm trying to break that habit. So I see more of the pork that's being put in by the Democrats. But the truth is Republicans are putting their own damn pork in there. What I would like to see is in November, a huge outcry of button via voting from the public saying you people took advantage of us being distracted by people we love and care for dying. Every last one of you needs to be out of office. I would love to see that happen. Is it going to? No, probably not. We'll be distracted by something else. You know, when we're not worried about our neighbors dying or ourselves dying, you know, we have a very low memory for things that have pissed us off. You know what it boils down to, right? Good, bad, or indifferent—that's
0: just how it is. So, we'll have to see
1: how it goes. How's this Again, all? are high.
0: How is how is this all going to play out, and what what's going to be the repercussions to all of this? What's what? Well, here's the like thing, how right? how, is, how is this going to transfer, How many people? How, how is this going to transform the country? That's one of the things that. Um, is the, and we've tackled this issue for the past three podcasts, I believe, three episodes of our podcast. Uh-huh. Whereas we keep asking ourselves, how is this going to transform the country? This is a transformative event, and many of the people that I that I've been listening to, while doing work around the house, getting the podcasts together, um, everybody has says that this bill everybody that I've listened to anyway, has said that this bill is the greatest transfer of wealth in the history of the United States. And basically what a lot of people are saying is that this bill doesn't do hardly anything at all to help everyday people just to stay afloat and pay the bills. What this really does is that it makes it easier for monopolies, large the large monopolies to gather up smaller monopolies and it provides a cash resource and incentive for the top one percent of the country to gobble up all of the other resources that are now going to be available with all of these small businesses that that will be closed.
1: Okay, so this is this is something I was discussing with my girlfriend staff, so shout out to Steph. Um and one of the things that she despises about our government is that both parties are in the pockets of big businesses. And she actually said to me, you watch whatever stimulus they're gonna do is going to benefit large companies before it benefits anyone else. Because yeah. that is what they care about. And so, she's right. yeah, I mean, she's spot on right. You know, that's the way That's the way our government runs. They take care of the people who take care of them. You know, this could be, here's, here's my worry. This could be a transformative event in our country, but not in the way that a lot of people I think are predicting. It could be that we finally realize just how corrupt our government is. And our government is so drunk on its power that They, you know, the manipulation of the elections that has been going on with mostly on the Democrat side of the past to elect this this election and the last election, um, they don't release power. They don't even pretend like, oh, no, we might get voted out of office. They're like, I'm in office. I got you through this. I deserve to keep my position. That's the, that's the one that worries me, because then what is going to happen? Do we have the wherewithal to live up to the expectations of our founding fathers? Do we even have the wherewithal to live up to the standards of our, the, my grandparents' generation, the, the quote-unquote greatest generation, the World War II generation? How would they have reacted to this? You know, would they have taken any of this lying down? I don't think so. I think they'd be pretty fucking pissed, to be honest with you. I think that this is... What happens... Yeah, go ahead. What happens if they take the power and they don't give it back? To repeat something that I said earlier. They're helping out their friends. They're helping out the, the large corporations. Even though we have monopoly prevention laws, we have monopolies in this country. It is illegal in this country to have a monopoly, but we have a lot of monopolies. Oh, sure. Right. And it's because the government doesn't do its due diligence. It doesn't do its job to prevent those monopolies. So I can honestly see, and I'm going to kind of joke about this because it's really kind of scary. I can honestly see in six months, the epidemic is over, but there's some new emergency. They suspend elections because truth of the matter is Congress can do what it wants regardless of the president. You know, the, the whole right now, Congress has grabbed so much power that they can effectively, if they suspend elections, they can effectively do what they want, regardless of what the president said.
0: And they can easily disperse any protest.
1: And by- the truth of the matter is, is the people in the highest levels of power in our government know that. They know that, hey, I can play ball with Nancy Pelosi. You know, the highest levels of the Republican Party know they can play ball with with Nancy Pelosi because she knows how things work, quote, unquote. Yeah. They can, so they can, on the surface of it, rail against everything that she says while behind the scenes agreeing with everything she does. Oh, yeah. They can retain power for themselves pretty much indefinitely. And then, what are we going to do about it? Because eventually, at some point, they're going to want to silence the voices of opposition. So, I can see within a year, if worst possible things were to happen, I can see someone knocking on my door in a year. Hey, you said some really nasty things about, um, you know, Nancy Pelosi, the government in general, our elected officials. Yeah, I can see myself getting a knock on the door. Oh, I can too. And having to defend that.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, you 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 can just imagine somebody like Gene Shaheen saying, "Okay, you know what? I've waited fifteen years. I'm sick of ti- sick and tired of Eric's bullshit. Let's round him up." Oh yeah, I can I, I can totally see that happen. One of the things I can
1: see the I can see the notification going out, Gene. Now's the time.
0: Exactly. You know, you know and that there's there's at least nineteen other people here in New Hampshire that is been critical of Gene Shaheen on their websites or on their blogs or the social media that they have been targeted for all of these years. And this could be the one event they say, okay, this guy is fomenting discord. This guy is posting some um, reckless material on his platform. We need to get rid of this guy. Um,
1: Well, you've got to remember some of the, some of the things that were being, discussed even before this outbreak, right? Was the the dangerous um rhetoric. The dangerous partisan rhetoric. Remember, before any of this happened, Facebook, Google, we were complaining bitching about them suppressing using their platforms to suppress speech that they disagree with. Right. Dangerous language, right? They were already discussing that shit. Now, how, how hard is it to imagine that in this day and age with everything that's going on right now, they're like, we don't, it's, it's too dangerous right now for us to have people questioning, uh, uninformed people questioning the motives and methods of the federal government. We cannot afford that. The country cannot afford that right now. Is that too big of a stretch to imagine?
0: I can't see how it's not a stretch uh, because we've documented it happening though. Oh, I can, oh, I can see, I can see it happening. Absolutely. I can totally see them doing this. And that's the scary thing. Whereas is that, you know, for a fact, it's been a proven fact, and we've done this over and over and over again, Google and Facebook have been deleting posts or or altering search engine results to prevent people from seeing some subversive material. Um, Right. One perfect example, Tim pool has a, has a podcast and, um, and he, he simulcasts it on YouTube and they keep demonetizing specific episodes that are critical of the government or talks about the reality of what's going on with the COVID-19 virus um you look at somebody like jimmy door jimmy door is has these subscription purges and i thought oh that's come on jimmy that's that's bullshit only to go and see that i've been unsubscribed from the jimmy door show on youtube at least twice now and i don't ever remember clicking the unsubscribe button i i, I don't remember yeah. seeing that now one of the things that jimmy Dora had been talking about with the author of goliath the 100 year war between monopoly power and democracy matt stoller was talking about how everything that we saw with the debates on the senate and the congressional floor for this new bailout bill was really nothing more than kabuki theater and that the people who are supposed to be on our side like the like the bernie Sanders, Put up a fight yeah. to make sure that this bill had protection for workers um, or wanted to make sure that poor people were not going to profit from this too much. Like if it, like if you don't make $2,000 a month, then you should not get $2,000 check from the government for the month of April. I'm just going to use that as an example. And right. what they what they had done is they already had agreed on this bill. This bill is going to get passed. This yeah. this one bill is going to get passed and it and it's going to help the people who are in the best position to impose the monopoly that they want, that the deep state wants. It provides the money and the resources for large corporations to gobble up smaller corporations, consolidate power and yeah. to and to put in place emergency powers where the next time that they want to do something, like erode some more of our civil rights, like our right to assemble. They could just say COVID-19. There's another COVID-19 breakout and then then they can like disperse.
1: They're already like- No, No, they don't even have to say that. All they can say is, we are suspending any gatherings greater than 50 people, not temporarily, we're just making them illegal from now on. Every people, you can have your comic cons, but they can be online. You have to have, you know, they just make it extremely difficult for people to gather in anything more than 50 by imposing things all in the name of public health concerns. In order for us to be hardened against this one virus, it's like taking your shoes off at the fucking airport. One guy tried sneaking a bomb in his shoes So for the last 15, 20 years, we've been having to take our shoes off at the airport. Do you know how many bombs that have stopped? None. Zero. That hasn't stopped a damn thing. Steph and I have been talking about this, too. It hasn't stopped a damn thing. But we still do it because it gives us a semblance of feeling of security and protection. So what's to stop the government after this outbreak is done, you know, with heavy hearts and great concern for the safety the lessons we have learned from this is we as a people need to take advantage of the new technologies and not gather in groups greater than 50 because if a virus were to break out if this had been a deadlier virus it would have been more catastrophic imagine if this this someone infected with this had been at comic con in san diego you can hear it you can already hear it oh yeah you know, so they—they already—and I'm not the first person to think of this, not by any stretch of the imagination. I guarantee you, there's people in government right now that, is, that have already thought of that and have, are, are already working on the press releases, right? I, I, the thing that scares me the most is how little I've come to trust the government, and any time an emergency like this pops up. You got to remember the reason why Hitler took power in World War II, post World War One Germany, is because of World War One. Because the people were frustrated and pissed off, they needed a boogeyman, and Hitler gave them one.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, so right now we've got a huge boogeyman. It's a nameless, faceless boogeyman. They're little microbes you can't see without a microscope. But if people are scared enough, they'll be willing to say, well, I'm okay with giving up a little bit of my right to assembly in order to prevent something like this from happening again. The truth of the matter is freedom is scary. Freedom is dangerous. Freedom is a chaotic, dangerous, having a free society. It is absolutely dangerous. The people of the Wild West walking around with guns on their hips out in the open, We're more free than we have been in the 20th century ever. But it was a more dangerous society. Oh, sure. You were more at risk of getting robbed, you know, having your things taken from you, someone just getting pissed off and shooting you. It was more dangerous, but it was also more free. And the more we look at our, quote unquote, advanced society, the less and less freedoms we have we're allowed to have in them, because you've got to be willing to sacrifice some things to live in an advanced society.
0: Like, are we committing an active? Yeah, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Are we committing an active subversion by just merely talking about this and saying, Yes, we are. We don't trust what the government is doing. And it's not it's not about Donald Trump. And it's, it's, it's not about Gene Shaheen or Maggie Hassan or your Senator um, Mitt Romney. It's the, it's the entire, it's the executive branch. It's, and it's, it, and it's the congressional branch um, who are exercising this power. And probably there's probably something about the virus that we're not being told if
1: their, oh, there's definitely something we're not being told.
0: <laughs> I mean, the the simple fact of the matter is is that I don't know if you actually saw this, and I'm actually looking for um, an arena on John Fitch Highway. It's not really a highway. It's 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 just a it's just a, a long road um, in Fitchburg, Massachusetts, is being converted to a morgue in the event that this thing breaks out. Now, there's some people who are saying, it's all for show. There are other people who say, this is just a precaution. In the, in the event that it does get that bad.
1: Well see, that's the other thing too, is a couple of things that have popped up in my head as you've been talking. Are we seeing the beginning of a corporatocracy? is this going to be the beginning of corporate America claiming ownership and really running the country through corporate sponsors? You know? Yeah. Like, are we going to start seeing our politicians wearing like the jumpsuits of the formula one and NASCAR drivers with badges all over them? Yeah. The that are sponsoring
0: them? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's been a meme for quite a in long all time. Honesty,
1: Yeah. I mean, we can, can you, I can see that happening. Is this the beginning of that? Are they laying the groundwork now so that in 15 years our children will know who to vote for because of the appropriate, corporate sponsorship behind those people? I kind of wish we would do that now. Yeah. That they would wear jumpsuits that say, hey, I've received, you know, the bigger the, The bigger the patch that they're wearing, the more money they've received from that corporation.
0: Elizabeth Warren would have a giant patch on her back with the logo of Raytheon right on it. Um, And then you would have um, like the same announcer who who, um, introduces the Super Bowl is going to be the same guy who (laughs) says the presidential state of the union is brought to you by Budweiser and by Pepsi. Right. And by Ford Motor Company.
1: Right. And I mean, it's it's just so frustrating because there's so much that could happen. And there's a lot of it that can be done under the pretext and pretense of in order to prevent the next outbreak. You know?
2: Yeah.
1: I'm wondering... If you want to go full-on conspiracy theorist, right? Right. I don't honestly believe this, but if I put on my conspiracy theorist hat and I really let my imagination run just a little bit because it gets too scary if I don't keep control of it, they could, the toilet paper thing, they could let it go and not do a damn thing about it for a while until someone gets killed and robbed for toilet paper. And then they use that as an excuse to take our gun. Yep. You know? And then, you know... They say, well, you can't gather more than groups of 50 people. And then they say, well, you know, even though the, the virus is, is, is going down, we are going to have to keep social distancing in place until we are sure that this has gone by. So have you, you've you seen the posts on Facebook about we have Schrodinger's disease, right? Yes, We're told we all have this disease. We're not able to test for it. So you simultaneously have the disease and don't have the disease. So you have to act like you have the disease, even though you may not have it. Right? So who's to stop them? For all we know, it's already dying down right now. We have no idea. And again, I'm wearing a full-on conspiracy theory hat. This is not what I think is happening. This is the conspiracy theory vision of what could be happening. So... They could, it's up to them when they decide to let us know that everything's okay. It's all clear, because who is this social distancing impacting the most? The rank and file people, right? The, the people who, like my kids are home. My daughter's going to work today for the last time because their store that she works at is closing. Right? She works at a um, frozen yogurt place. She can't go to work they're just closing their doors because they're not and she's not making enough money to justify them staying open because no one wants to go in because the way the um, Department of Health has said they have to serve their their frozen yogurt makes it almost impossible for them to sell the frozen yogurt right so you know it's just one of those things or now she's got to look for another job who's hiring right now? no, no I,
0: I don't think anybody I mean no hey, listen you could check with the hospital everyone's
1: got reduced hours.
0: You could check with the hospitals. I'm sure that they're hiring. I'm sure. That, I'm sure that they're. Are
1: they? Don't you have that? Don't you have to be qualified to work around?
0: I have no idea if they're desperate for people who are willing to to um just mule materials and 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 bodies from from one room to and to the next to the elevator to the, to wherever they need to go. Yeah, but
1: there's a, right. There's a limit on how much unskilled labor you can have at a hospital, though. No. Oh, okay.
0: Of
1: realistically, what they need.
0: But if 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 nurses and orderlies can't come to work because they're exhausted or they're sick and they have to self quarantine, I'm sure that there's going to become a point where they're going to um, waive some of those requirements and say, okay, you want to be an orderly or if you want to be. If you just want to be a laborer here at the hospital, if you want to push a mop.
1: So now you hear what you're saying, right? Oh, I know exactly what I'm saying.
0: Oh, I know exactly what I'm saying. Put
1: it in different terms. Yeah, I know, but put it in the different terms now. So you want to do on-the-job training for people in the medical profession?
0: I'm I'm sure that it could, if this virus is as dangerous as they say it is, I think that's an inevitability.
1: Well, right, but now what kind of quality of care are we giving?
0: The quality of care is going to spiral down the drain. And we know that.
1: Oh Oh, absolutely. So now (laughs) again putting the conspiracy theory hat on, how are they gonna spin that to their benefit?
0: They'll find a way.
1: Oh absolutely. They absolutely will. It's just so disturbing. Looking up. If someone wanted to set up America to be a dictatorship or to destroy America, they found the exact perfect way of doing it everyone is so afraid of dying that we're not we're just doing blindly whatever they tell
0: three days ago this is this had been published on many different websites many of them um of reliable sources like the independent um in uk cnn find example uh, cnn is i don't know if it's a reliable i don't know if you think it's a reliable source or not but there's a lot of reliable websites oh like the washington post at least or more than 60 doctors have died in italy already so now there's a shortage of doctors in italy how many nurses have died in italy how many other hospital staff have died from the wall street journal 19 19 hours ago from this recording italy's coronavirus death toll is far larger than is being reported and you hear similar stories about china 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 is is underreporting or misreporting the death toll and why the hell would you believe china after they're saying
1: they're on the road they're saying they're on the road to recovery
0: and meanwhile there are other stories about how um They are now they're performing another lockdown as we speak. They're they're shutting down theaters again.
1: Right. Because they've got it under control and there's nothing to worry about.
0: No, absolutely not. Any news that comes out of China after they've expelled so many um, Western journalists. Why would you believe anything that China says? Right. So many, so many people. Are while saying,
1: they were there, a lot of what the Western journalists were reporting were contradicting what the government was saying. Anyway.
0: Yeah. So how
1: many nerve? Scary stuff, man.
0: Yeah. Let me just let me just um. Just sort of skipping ahead here, to one of the other other things that we wanted to talk about here. This is from um, the Wall Street Journal, and because it's on a paywall, I can only read the the um. The first couple of sentences, but it's from the Wall Street Journal, so you know it's reliable. Burr, Senate colleagues, sold stock after coronavirus briefings. Multiple members of Congress and spouses made sales that saved them from losses before the market slid. And this was published on March 20th, weeks before the new Corona. Virus pandemic set the stock market plummeting several members of Congress, their spouses and investment advisors each sold hundreds of thousands of dollars in stock after lawmakers attended a sensitive closed door briefing about the threat of the disease some of the well-time sales okay. spread spared the senators and their spouses as much as hundreds of thousands of dollars in potential losses a Wall Street Journal analyst of trade shows they went to a meeting they saw oh shit this is this is serious this is going to cause the markets to tank and they sold a lot of stock um one senator you know what
1: they call that a you. They call you know in, what they call that if you were I did that?
0: Oh, that's insider trading, Jay.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's illegal when we do it, but it's common sense when they do it.
0: Um, Kelly Loeffler, um, Stock Sales. Georgia Senator sold at least 18 million dollars in stocks. Kelly Loeffler sold at least 18 million dollars more in stocks than before. Um so she actually she actually made out pretty well. Now you got to ask yourself, how is it that a senator is able to have that much money? Let me just read that headline again. This is from Vox. Senator, I don't know, Kel- let's check her check her jacket. See what her corporate
1: sponsorship is like.
0: We should. Oh, this is this is this is this is a um, this is a new story published actually yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. We're recording this on on the second. Senator Kelly Loeffler sold at least $18 million more in stocks before the coronavirus crash than previously reported. Loeffler is only is one of many lawmakers under fire for, specific, for suspicious stock trading activities following a coronavirus intel briefing. This is um, Catherine Burns, published April 1st, 2020. It was published on April 1st, so be careful. Senator Kerry Loeffler oh, yeah. benefited from stock trades worth millions of dollars shortly before the general public was alerted to the severity of the COVID-19 crisis. Selling off shares in industries that have been adversely affected by the coronavirus pandemic and buying shares of companies that have benefited, according to a Atlanta Journal-Constitution report published late Tuesday. Woffler, who sits on the Senate Health Committee, first began selling stock on January 24th, the same day the committee held a private all-members session on COVID-19 and continued making trades in late February and early March. According to her latest financial disclosure, which the senator provided to the AJC, her largest transaction involved the sales of $18.7 million in Intercontinental Exchange stock in three separate deals dated February 26th and March 11th. Intercontinental Exchange operates global exchanges for several financial and commodity markets. And since Lawler made her first sale, the stock has fallen by 16%. And don't you think that, don't you think that she should go to prison for that?
1: Well, here's the deal on that, okay? What I think should happen is her constituents should be paying attention and they should remember that when news of impending mass deaths were reached her ears, her first thought was, how can I benefit from this financially? That's what should happen. They should remember that because she's a congressperson. She's up for election this year. They should remember that when they walk in there and they're like, yeah, this is the woman who sold, who, when being told that thousands of her constituents were going to die and millions of Americans were going to die, her first thought was, "Well, shit! I better sell. I better make sure I adjust my stock portfolio accordingly."
0: That's some scary stuff, right? Jay.
1: That's what they should remember when they walk into the voting booth. And then after that, when she's just a normal citizen like the rest of us, maybe there's a criminal investigation. Because you and I both know that while she's sitting in Congress, any investigation that goes on is not going to result, end up with the results that it should. But first and foremost, she should be removed from office through her constituents, paying attention to what she did, what she's accused of, and what's going on. Because that's the way the system is supposed to work. We are the ones that are supposed to be holding our representatives accountable, and we have not been doing that. My concern is that we may have waited too long before we start paying attention. I think it might be too late. That's, I don't know. We'll see on that. Judging by the shenanigans the Democrat Party pulled with Hillary Clinton in the 2016 election, judging by the way things are shaping up in this election, it may very well be too late because I always assume that whatever the Democrats are doing, the Republicans are doing too.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: They're just, they may be doing it a different way, but they're doing the same fucking thing.
0: One of the things that I have noticed, and this is the silver lining to this horrible storm cloud is that a lot of people are starting to wake up on platforms like Twitter. And a lot of people are saying, this is not a Republican problem. This is not a Democrat problem. This is a politician problem. And this is a voter problem because we have not been paying attention. And now that there's finally a crisis, we need to do something. We need need to unite together. Now, other people, like Alyssa Milano, who is trending on Facebook, Melissa Milano is saying on the one side of her mouth, we all need to unite together and to beat Donald Trump. But you, Bernie supporters, are fucking nasty. I don't know if I want to actually read the the actual quote from her.
1: Oh, go ahead. If it's, if it's posted on Facebook, go go right ahead.
0: It's funny how the thing is that oh, I I don't I don't I don't need that. I don't need that quote. I don't need that. And then of course Jay says,
1: Fucking can do it, Ben. Do it. You go ahead."
0: Okay, from nine hours ago. Bernie supporters, a thread for you. I will continue to do what's right for the people in this country, no matter how you attack me. I'm tough. I've had four years of practice from MAGA's. I know all the tricks, and you can't silence me. I supported Bernie in 2016. Keep reading. you got to click show thread. In 2016, I felt Bernie was the right person for the moment in history. I still support and believe in many things of the policies and ideas of the Sanders campaign. He always, always fought for what's right and just. I know this. I love that about him. However, at this moment, I, along with what seems to be the vast majority of the American people and 90% of the other Dem candidates, feel that Biden is going, is going to be the steady leadership we need. He has what it takes to heal the soul of the nation and bridge the divide. Biden is right for this heartbreaking moment in time. That's my opinion. My right. You're entitled to unfollow and wish me away. But alas, I am not going anywhere. And I hope you don't either. We need your we need your fight. We need your anger. We need your passion. We need love. I am not your enemy. We are all fighting for the... For the vulnerable among us, I acknowledge that Senator Sanders is an amazing public servant, and would be, and we would be lucky to have him continue in any way for any of our political office. I don't believe he can unite the country because his base is toxic. Having said that, people are dying. I don't care if they are Trump supporters, Bernie supporters, Biden supporters, or apolitical. My heart aches for all those struggling right now. Loss of life of this magnitude is unprecedented. Globally, millions of people are going to die. We have a choice. We can continue with the divisiveness Divisiveness. Divisiveness. No, she wrote divisiveness. And the fear of the, quote, other, unquote. Or we can use this moment to hold hands and carry each other through this tragedy. Nothing else matters. Hold your loved ones. Help when you can. May you always be safe. May you always be well. And to everyone who supports my tweets and, and my being... Thank you. I have so much love in my heart right now. The world has changed. I'm sorry, people are toxic in my replies. Thank you for hanging in there with me. I appreciate you. Believe in believing. The impossible is possible.
1: And now this is. I don't is the know sp- if she's smoking, but she needs to share it more.
0: I know. Yeah, I know. But the, th- the simple fact of the matter is, and we and we spent half the show last week talking about this. Biden has been accused of sexual assault or invading women's spaces as it were by at least seven other women. She uh, and it's been and it's been known that Biden has touched people inappropriately. That's not an opinion. That's a statement of fact. People have accused yeah. Joe Biden of inappropriate touching. And you've seen the videos. Women have come out and said, Joe Biden is a rapist. There's no other way around it. Joe Biden has been accused by credible women of inappropriate conduct. Donald Trump has been accused of doing the same thing. Donald Trump was caught on tape saying, talking about how he likes to grab women by the pussy. And there's nothing that anybody can do about it because, Because he's a celebrity.
1: The women like it because he's a celebrity.
0: Oh, the women like it because, oh, right. Uh Uh-huh. Sure. Such a fucking, anyway. Right? So the thing is, is that Joe Biden has done the same or worse than Donald Trump. And then you have celebrities like Alyssa Milano trying to shame you into voting for her favorite candidate. Joe Biden is not a uniter. Joe Biden is not going to unite this country. Republicans are not going to look at Joe Biden and say, wow, gee, he's our guy. Golly gee whiz, I can't wait to vote for him. He's swell. That's not going to happen.
1: Not only is that not going to happen, but there are people on his side of the aisle who are concerned about his mental state. I mean, there's there's real concern. Actually, of for Trump too, but there's real concern that Joe Biden may be showing the beginnings of um, dementia.
0: I don't. I don't think that he's actually showing signs of the beginning of dementia. <laughs> you think I. No. In, huh? I, th- I, th- I. I. Because um, a lot of other people have also stated this a lot of other people have said that they have noticed his sharp decline as time progresses, he has become less and less articulate, whereas he can't complete a sentence. And when he does complete a sentence, he say, he says these crazy non sequiturs. Like one of the things that he had said is that, well, you know, we, we, we need to find, we need to find an antidote or we need to find a vaccine, but that's only going to make the problem worse. He's been caught saying these things that are are just crazy. Um, And we're in a very, very difficult position as American voters. Because you look at the lesser of two evils. You look at the lesser of two evils and they're both pretty horrific. You look at somebody like Trump and you look at somebody like Biden. And Trump is not really Trump is doing the best that he can with the sources that he has available to him. I think that I think that because he is so easily pushed back and forth by the media. Other people have talked about how there are all of these surgical masks missing from New York City. Hospitals and. Governor Cuomo has said, hey, we don't know what's going on here. This is a problem. We need to look into this. Uh, Who's stealing these masks and what are they doing with it? And then Donald Trump turns around and says, yeah, this is a problem. We should look into it. And then he's accused of buying into conspiracy theories that people are stealing masks to sell them online. He's just agreeing with Governor Cuomo something should be. So he can't win with some of these people.
1: And that's exactly it. You know, it's like, you know, the old joke that I I'll say something and I'll Then when people laugh, I'll say, You know you're going to hell for laughing at that, right? Yeah. I'm not gonna go to hell for saying it. You're going to hell for laughing at that. The same thing, except it's not a joke with these people. Like, oh, he's blaming the conspiracy theories. Conspiracy theories put forth by a governor of New York State. So, you know. Some people will choose to see that as bipartisanship. Some people will choose to see it as bipartisanship conspiracy theories. Yeah. Other people will say, Trump's bad doesn't matter what he's saying right you know and this is where like even Alyssa milano's little rant there whatever fueled it because it was it it seemed very bipolar to me but anyway you know she was like she feels for the death of every american whether they're a biden or trump supporter that part is a good statement it is you know we should feel for the deaths of everyone we should feel for every person who has lost a loved one due to this pandemic. At the same time, if you're going to espouse that sort of thing, then when someone you disagree with politically agrees with something that was said by someone that you agree with politically, fucking admit it. Yeah. Realize that, hey, Trump, maybe by accident, did something right. Because if you can't admit to that, why should anyone listen to your heartfelt beliefs about the candidate you support? Because clearly you're not willing to give credit to people you disagree with. Right. I'm not saying Alyssa Milano did that. I'm just saying in general, this people need to really kind of look at what they're doing. And I need to do that probably more than a lot of people. Oh, sure. But, you know, so I'm not saying this in a vacuum. I'm not saying that you guys are off bad, cuz I'm fucking guilty of this too. Oh, absolutely. I'll admit
0: that. One of the things that were trending me nuts, though. One of the things that was trending on Twitter um was the hashtag about stop airing Trump's press conferences. I'm not sure I cannot remember what the exact phrase was but there are people like Rachel Maddow who are saying that we should not be airing Donald Trump's press conferences. Here we go. Right.
1: This is because that way there, they can accuse him of a lack of leadership.
0: And one of the things that I had said on March 30th was I totally disagree with the hashtag stop airing Trump. His press conferences are a goldmine for podcasting material. Whatever any president says or does, we should be allowed to have unfiltered access Remember Freedom of the Press? Donald Trump should be able to have a press conference and I should be able to watch it, whether it's on Fox News, CNN, C-SPAN, whatever. I should be able to watch it. Al Jazeera. Al Jazeera, I don't care. I should be able to watch it and see for myself what the president is saying. And then use DuckDuckGo to fact check the president. I should not rely on, is, what? I should not rely no on, me of, what?
1: You remember the WikiLeaks thing? Yes. And they said, remember, it's illegal for you to be in possession of this, so we will read it for you and let you know what it says.
0: Yeah, how did that work out?
1: Well, thats it's the same damn thing. they They're still after the same damn thing. They want to be in control of the information that goes out. They want to be the ones to say, okay, we listened to the awful Trump's press conference, and this is what you need to know. We're saving you time and aggravation by listening to this asshole, so you don't have to.
0: But how do I know that they're telling the truth? We all know we
1: can completely trust any of the news organizations. Fox isn't biased. Neither is CNN. Come on.
0: I smell sarcasm. Harrison, did you step in sarcasm again? (laughs) Do you get to look at the bottom of your shoe? Do you have sarcasm at the bottom of your shoe? No, oh, those no, are socks. So no, Do you have sarcasm? Yeah, it smells. Um, yeah, I smell sarcasm. I <laughs> From me? No. Jay's <laughs> never been sarcastic. Not once in my life. Do you want to cut? Co- I'm you not want- even sure what this sarcasm thing is. Do you want? Do you want to cover some other news items that we've sort of because um, we haven't done a, a, a over yeah we have not done a harvey weinstein um update on all of this daily the daily beast did an amazing article which i think um i think everybody should read this daily beast from march 30th jeffrey epstein's hollywood pipeline ran straight to harvey weinstein
1: yep
0: and why first of all why are we not surprised And second of all, how come? Well, this story is not going to get a lot of play with with all the virus news. Um, Right. I'm not I'm not going to try and pronounce this young woman's name here, but the the actual full title of this story is Jeffrey Epstein's Hollywood Pipeline ran straight to Harvey Weinstein. Epstein's victims told the Daily Beast that financier introduced them to producer Harvey Weinstein and talked up his Hollywood connections to gain power over young women. Um,
1: See, I don't know, maybe I'm that asshole, but I kind of think that he used, he was after something more than just power over the young women that he was seducing. He was allegedly having sex with four or five underage girls a day. Clearly, it was not something that he had an issue with. He could do that. He could get the young girls whenever he wanted to and do whatever he wanted with them. That was not something that was a great concern to him. But why else would he be after the people in Hollywood? Because that was one of the things about Epstein that really disturbed me was how many... People in high places. He cozied up to. He cozied up to Trump. He cozied up to Bill Clinton. He cozied up to Italian politicians. He cozied up to Prince Andrew. You know, Prince Andrew really doesn't have any power whatsoever. Still, he was able to gain have access to him. Yeah. You know, um, what was this guy after? What was this guy doing?
0: Influence. I mean, one of the things yeah, that you, one of the things that we have. End, was it, one of, things, one of the things, one of the things you and I talked about in previous episodes of our podcast is that from my perspective and from everything that I was reading, it seems like Jeffrey Epstein's entire mission in life, starting with his New York city apartment, that was wired for sound and video, had cameras and audio microphones all over, and he had a secret room underneath the stairs or behind a staircase that was like his control center. He had recorded terabytes of famous, rich, powerful people doing unspeakable things with women and girls, and perhaps even boys, who, had, who were essential sex slaves. Then his, yeah. in his, then his crazy island. It's clear that Jeffrey Epstein was out to party hard, get laid, and get dirt on other people who are trying to do the same. There's a lot of famous people whose names are all over Jeffrey Epstein's address book. It seemed like his entire goal in life was to get blackmail material. But for who? Who was he getting blackmail material for? Was it for the Clintons? Was it for... And the the thing is, I don't even think that the Clintons are on the top of the food chain here.
1: Oh, no. No. And again, what would be the point? Why was... Because Clintons were people that he had dirt on. So what... How was he benefiting from it he was already getting all of the underage girls he wanted was he just looking for protection for when the fit hit the shan because you know clearly that worked out for him i mean Hold on. I, I just
0: yeah no i i i i don't i don't know why i do not know why he was gathering up all this dirt on people other but it's it's pretty clear that rich and famous people especially in Washington DC, Miami, Florida, New York City have a lot to be afraid of. They have a lot of reasons to be terrified of the what is going to come out of all of this. Now it's very convenient that we have this coronavirus scare going on right now. And and Jeffrey Epstein is no longer front page news. This article by the right. Daily Beast should be front page news. People should be talking about this, but but they're not. And I'm not saying that the coronavirus was unleashed to get Jeffrey Epstein off the front page.
1: No, but it, it is helping serve that purpose as well.
0: So I don't I don't know what's going to become of all of this, and um. I'm concerned that everything going on with Jeffrey Epstein is going to be um, swept under the rug. And, pe- and people are going to get away with whatever it is that they're going to get away with because we're more concerned about not dying from this epidemic. Am I wrong?
1: No. I mean, the truth of the matter is pretty, probably everyone is going to get COVID-19. The vast majority are going to be just fine, yeah. they get sick, they'll get better. The vast majority of people. Um, for other people it's a death sentence. One of the people that Steph works with recently got diagnosed with cancer, he's got lung cancer. And if that person gets COVID-19 they're dead in 24 hours. Because their lungs are compromised. Yeah. And the rest of their immunity system is compromised. So yeah, if that person gets COVID-19, they're dead in 24 hours. Before they even even if they work in a hospital and get diagnosed within an hour of them getting it, chances are they're going to die anyway. Yeah, it's a very very deadly thing for some people. For other people, not so bad. It is not so dangerous. That doesn't. But this is where I struggle. 'Cause on the one hand, I don't want to see people die needlessly. Any preventable death that we don't prevent is a tragedy and a travesty. On the other hand, at what point how much are we willing to sacrifice? How much do we how much damage do we do to society as a whole, to the many, for the sake of the few? Yeah. And I'm glad I don't have to make that decision. What if there were people sitting in the White House, in Congress, wherever, whatever governmental building, and they're being told flat out, look, we can stop this if we do A, B, C, D. And now those people are looking at each other and they're saying, what would that do to this country? Where would we be in, you know, after that is all said and done, where would we be? What if there are people sitting in the seats of power in our government right now, and they're literally saying... If we declared martial law, we could end this in 24 hours, but then how do we recover from that? We can recover from this in three weeks. If we don't declare martial law, then it'll play itself out in two months. So the numbers of the deaths, you know, we'll be talking about 20 or 30,000 people that are dead. But if we declare martial law, what are the consequences of that? What if they're making those decisions right now? They probably are. What if those are the decisions being faced? They, yeah, pro-
0: they exactly. probably are. And on top of everything else, there's also something else that's going on here in the House. And I have to, like, cut this off short. Like, I, I need to wrap this up that's immediately. Right. Um, there's so many things that we wanted to talk about. There's so many articles. I'm going to post this on the show page for um, March... No, I'm sorry, April 4th. There are a handful of things that I wanted to talk about, including this um, new article written by Whitney Webb talking about the long-term implications of all of these executive orders in this bill and this uh, this bailout package. And I use the word bailout package in air quotes. Um, yeah. So anyway, I'm going to keep in touch, and I'm going to um, let you know what's going on, and we'll talk a little bit.
1: All right, that sounds great. All right.
0: Congratulations on surviving another episode of the Fedora Chronicles radio show with hosts Jason Cousineau and Eric King Fisk. Find out more about the Fedora Chronicles by visiting our website, thefedorachronicles.com. That's where you can find our past shows, show notes, and recent articles. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram by simply searching for us on those platforms. Don't forget to join our group on Facebook after you found it so that you can keep up with what we will be talking about in the next episode. Facebook, Twitter, and our email address, Fedorchronicle at Google.com, are great ways to drop us a line with comments and show topic suggestions. We might even read your comment on the air. Support the show by contributing to our Patreon page. Patreon.com slash For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to the podcast updates on what we're doing and for five dollars a month you get all that and a t-shirt or coffee mug terms and conditions apply and thank you to all of our listeners who are already contributing you can also support the show and show off your incredible impeccable taste by buying our merch at zazzle.com slash fedora chronicles 12.5% 12.5% of every sale goes directly into keeping this podcast and all the others on the Fedora Chronicles network on the air. That's Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. The theme song for this show is Royal Flush by Olive Musique. The Fedora Chronicles radio show is edited and produced by Eric Render King Fisk. Copyright The Fedora Chronicles 2019 2020. All rights reserved. On behalf of Jason Cousineau, this is Eric Renderking Fisk signing off and reminding you to keep your chin up and your fedora on.